Greetings, friends. Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is Monday, April 17, 2023 at Asia Markets Close. Welcome to the Market Death Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. And we have a week of very key global macro data coming out of Asia with global market implications and uh, impact potential. Um, and the most significant of which will be China GDP along with uh, China industrial production and retail sales. Um, that's all on Tuesday, tomorrow, um, and this is all coming out ahead of China's loan prime rate decisions on Thursday. Okay, And then, after that, we have Japan CPI on Friday. Um, now, the, this is the last one. This will be the last one ahead of Governor Ueda's very first Bank of Japan policy meeting just merely a week later at the end of next week. So today we'll be highlighting what's ahead this week to keep out uh, to keep an eye out for. Um, but before we get to that, let me just make a quick market note or commentary specifically as it relates to gold. So the recent strength in gold prices, okay? So we basically saw about more or less about a two and a half percent gain uh, in gold from the start to the end of last week um, on spot gold prices, basically breaking above um, the $2,000 level and now staying above the $2,000 level. So every time we basically, with that, every time we cross back into that like gold, you know, $2,000 handle, right? I just want to kind of remind everyone that first of all, the, um, the all time high in gold prices was, is $2,080. Okay. And that was set in August of 2020. So last week we saw spot gold prices get as high as around 2000 $60 or so, or more or less, right? So just about, you know, $20 or so shy of making in, uh, new all-time highs in USD terms. But that's the key part, okay? In USD terms. It's very important to note that, you know, this, this like, USD component of it, right? Because gold being priced in, in USD, as per standards of global commodity price denominations and all that, everything's priced in dollars, right? Uh, in terms of global commodities, so because it's priced in, in USD, I tend to look at spot gold prices as almost like as just another currency pair, right? Because so you have like the Euro USD, you have GBP USD, you have uh, AUD USD, and then you have gold USD, right? It's uh, gold is basically a, a price that's relative to USD um, is, is kind of how I view things. Now, why do I do that? I do that because therefore, you know, under that like currency pair approach, when you're looking at spot gold prices move against the dollar, we have to therefore try and see if it's the gold, if it's gold prices going up or if it's dollar prices going down or if it's both. So it seems that, you know, kind of on, on first glance, it seems that the upward move in gold prices as of late um, may be as much of, if not more of a function of the dollar component, the dollar going down rather than gold going up because gold prices rising is happening as the USD as measured by the broader dollar spot index or DXY, you know, over like kind of a, even a one year time frame, DXY has basically given up all of its 15% to peak gains and is now pulling back to like almost, you know, flat from like a year ago. So essentially we're seeing dollar weakness you know, against other currencies as well as against gold. And that's why gold can just wobble in and out of around that $2,000 level, right? It's like, you know, $1,995, then to $2,010, and then back below and, and, and therefore, right? Like $2,000 per uh, ounce for gold, that would be, you know, a round number psychological um, and therefore self-fulfilling real resistance level. But 
because price action on gold is currently more so a function of the dollar price action rather than gold price action, that's why that $2,000 level isn't really, you know, uh, having any sort of meaningful, meaningful price action impact or effect. Um, and you know, the reason I'm mentioning this is because it seems very likely that in the near term, we may very well get to all-time uh, highs, new all-time highs in gold prices. And if that does happen in the immediate to near term, we have to think of that $2,080 level in context of being a hard resistance level uh, to cap gold prices or to serve as a um, as a breakout you know level, we have to think of it in terms of not just gold prices, but in terms of you know the USD leg of it, right? The the den denomination part of it. So if gold prices get to that you know two thousand eighty dollar all time high, um, but if it's due to US dollar weakness, then gold at twenty eighty may be very much like gold at the $2,000 price level. It's sort of an arbitrary level that just wobbles, you know, above and below. And therefore, it's not too significant for gold in and of itself, right? But then, at, again, at the same time, gold at 2080 very well may serve as a cap or breakout level of resistance for gold prices, right? And so, therefore, if we do see gold get to and then break out of 2080 and surge... And surge due to either you know systematic algo flows or real money driven new longs, right? Then that would be a sign of gold prices moving on gold demand rather than just a byproduct of dollar selling, broadly speaking. Um, and so, therefore, there's significance in that as well uh, for gold longs, for gold bears, for whoever, right? You need to you know make sure you're you're looking at and understanding what the price driver is, let alone what the the kind of basic fundamental you know construction of how the price uh, is derived from. Now, last point on gold. I often talk about gold uh, futures and yen futures being in high correlation, right? People who uh, watch and listen to this podcast are very much aware of that. If we look at it from that angle, that correlation between gold futures and yen futures price has basically split apart directionally as of late. So contrary to what I just said, gold prices actually may be gold demand driven from a global non-USD perspective. Gold priced in yen, for example, has been hitting new all-time highs for some time now. Now, this can be both a combination of gold strength as well as yen weakness, and indeed, I think it is both. Uh, recently, the yen has been weak against the dollar in comparison to its G5 majors. So the euro, the British pound in particular, very strong against the dollar as of late, yet the yen has been underperforming. So it is yen weakness as well as uh, gold strength in combination, uh, gold demand in combination. So broader message for kind of all of this is that if you're looking at gold prices in USD, okay, you have to be very conscious of that USD part of it, you know, that denomination part of it, um, and not just look at it as a reflection of gold demand or lack of demand or gold selling. It could very well just be gold completely static. And, you know, all of the price action heavy lifting to either direction may very well just be what it's being denominated in. So, therefore, the broader message being that gold price action should be looked at in other currencies other than the USD. And the second sort of broader message on this is that gold prices could also serve as a useful base standard to uh, examine other currencies like the yen, right? XUSD uh, prices. So in other words, if you see, you know, the dollar yen moving, is that yen strength or weakness? Or is it USD 
strength or weakness and the yen is just being static well if you just kind of remove the usd component of it and you replace it with gold and you see yen moving against gold prices to either direction it could be therefore you know gold could serve as a very useful uh standard of measurement in in that respect as well in terms of currencies okay now tuesday tomorrow we have some key data coming out of china namely gdp uh retail sales and industrial production but GDP, basically we're looking for, uh, consensus is looking for 4% print on a year-over-year -year basis for Q1. Um, industrial production consensus at 4% year-over-year. Uh, -year. Retail sales consensus is at 7.4%. Is at um, so th of those, the, the key one really is GDP. Now, people will often say that China GDP figures, or if not all figures that come out of China, um, are made up and are therefore useless. A, I agree that they are made up, uh, and you and I are not the only ones who think so. Everybody thinks and knows so, including the Chinese. I forgot who it was. It may have very well been Li Kuaishan, but last year, um, I think it was last year or year before, either way, is, is very recent, openly saying that, yeah, like these aren't necessarily uh, like accurate figures or whatever it is, right? So everyone knows this, and China knows that everyone knows this. But, therefore, it's useless. That part I disagree with. In fact, because they are, you know, made up, right? And they're not completely made up. They have to be sort of, you know, with, a, I guess, wide, um, you know, margin of error. But they have to be sort of within reason, for at least for the very sake of, of optics. But um, because they are made up, right, that's why they can be useful in, in looking at. Because... If China, you know, uh, makes up or or uh, reports a kind of weaker GDP or a stronger GDP, it is it could be instructional for. Therefore, what is the policy response going to be? Right, it could be a direct indicator of this very top-down, state-determined policy direction. GDP is very weak. Therefore, PBOC, as well as the central government, must provide a ton of fiscal and monetary support, right? So that's why it's useful. Just because it's made up does not mean it's useless. It's actually more useful, if anything. That's how I look at it. Um, but So that's why I'm keeping a very close eye on GDP uh, for China. And if it does come in weaker than uh, both expectations as well as you know what the, the China's guidance is for the end of the year, um, then it could potentially mean the liquidity spigots will be on for for china um retail sales is also key because as i mentioned you know last week we have kind of a mixed picture of consumer demand uh data out of china via sort of proxies like lvmh stock price and earnings that have strong demand from china as well as conflicting things from like uh say you know china cpi for example um but again as i mentioned last week um in in market depth it's also a function of the fact that you can have you know data coming out of china from the demand side right consumer demand that contradict one another because they are measuring different cohorts of china because china like everywhere else uh is there's there's massive income and wealth inequality and so therefore the rich might be doing well and therefore lvmh stock price might be you know have blowout earnings because the rich are buying 
Louis Vuitton handbags and so on and so forth because they're doing well, very well and they're spending. And at the same time, you have the non-wealthy who are not really necessarily driving prices and, and levels and um, and other goods ex-luxury, right? Um, but either way, China retail sales um, will be a, a key thing to watch. And then lastly, we have Japan uh, CPI coming in on Friday. So like basically over the last the last print we saw was the was the first one uh, that had a pull back. You know, so we had headline CPI at 3.3% um, and core CPI at 3.1% for uh, for Japan for, for last month. And that was the first time that it pulled back after this kind of very significant, especially for Japan, um, uptrend, this nonstop uptrend in, in CPI and a Bank of Japan policy that remained completely stand pat despite CPI having exceeded or doubled this 2% uh, inflation goal that the Bank of Japan had set out, right? that's the the conflicting thing with boj policy versus data right like uh boj is set out on a mission in order to stoke up two percent inflation in in this this virtuous up, upward cycle um of of demand driven two percent cpi that is what japan wants to do to, as and by that they really mean exit the the you know decades of deflation but get this 2% you know, steady uh, inflation for Japan, that's the key, that's the goal, that's why we're going to do this extraordinary uh, experimental level of stimulus and easing via the central bank. Well, they've doubled that already, and yet they've done more QE than they have since they began this, this initiative 10 years ago under Kuroda. So why are they, why are they still doing this, right? Um, well, again, CPI, as I keep saying over and over again, at the moment as in the last you know, three or four BOJ meetings, is not the driver of BOJ policy, clearly. Because BOJ policy remains unchanged, as in they're not, they're not scaling back, they're not tapering, they're not easing or anything based on, on CPI. They, they did a December change to yield curve control based on market dysfunction, especially in the 10-year JGB yield, um, and not necessarily at all related to inflation. Because if it was related to inflation, they would have done something a while ago, right? So although Japan CPI print itself is not significant for the immediate term, um, and, and with regards to the, you know, the, the, the BLG policy meeting at the end of April, you know, a week following, it will be significant because it's going to be a catalyst potentially for the speculation to start to then build up the speculative flows, whatever they may be in either direction, BOJ is going to rip off the band-aid and get rid of yield curve control altogether. It is first meeting or the, the very opposite. You know, BOJ is going to narrow these uh, yield curve control bands to plus minus five basis points. No, nobody's predicting that, obviously. But my point is that anything in between, you're going to get the speculative flows that are likely going to be kicked off with this CPI print um, coming on Friday as a catalyst to kick off those speculative flows. And why are they speculative? Because the BOJ policy meeting has yet to occur and anything therefore beforehand is speculation. So um, there are ways to play that, like being long Japan banks, as I mentioned, uh, being long topics banks, which have which had been on a absolute surge after the De December yield curve control surprise uh, change. You saw topics banks index break out of multi-decade levels you know, rise about 25, 30% on a single stock basis, certainly, you know, MUFG, SMFG, Mizuho, especially the kind of smaller regional banks and all that. As the JGB yield curve steepened and, you know, 10-year and 
20, 30, and 40-year JGBs, uh, JGB yields surged upwards and basically doubled and then crashed in January uh, BOJ policy meeting as well as in March when they were unchanged, right? Currently, we have Topics Bank's index that had surged and then basically just, you know, kind of crashed uh, subsequent to that. And again, this is not trading advice, obviously. This is trading non-advice, but if you're long Topics Bank's right now, you basically have this entry point in which Topics Bank's index has pulled back, yet JGB yields at the 10-year level uh, are at the yield curve control upper band as it is. So just to, in order to catch up to that kind of longer end, uh, you might you could see you know uh, upside in, in Topics Bank's. And if topic and if the BOJ does make a change to yield curve control, as in they wider, widen out the bands, then Topics Banks are going to surge again. And right now you have an entry point of a pullback um, due to just global you know yields collapsing, especially at the longer end. Um, and what you really need to do is look at JGB thirty year tenor, not the ten year tenor, or even the JGB twenty year tenor, but just not the ten year tenor because the ten year is clearly just, it's not being just only manipulated, but it's it's price set, right? explicitly and openly. So it's not a good gauge for anything. The 30-year, yeah, they they mess around with the 30-year. Yes, they buy directly the 30-year JGB, but, um, um, you know, 10s, 30s curve on JGBs is basically a vertical line. Um, but you need to watch the 30-year as, as a better sort of uh, market price action read than the 10-year. Um, also, the 10-year JGB, depending on what issue it is, they could have completely different yields. 20 basis point differences in the same, you know, 10-year JGB, depending on what issue it is, right? Issue 367 versus issue 368 versus issue 369. They have all different yields, um, you know, even though those, those are all 10-year uh, JGBs that were issued within three months of each other, okay? So instead of looking at 10-year JGB generic, look at 30-year JGB yields as a sort of directional uh, read on what the collective global investors are looking at uh, with regards to the long end of the, the JGB curve, and also what the Topics Banks Index is currently trading on, okay? Because the Topics Banks Index has pulled back from its kind of peak after the March, the mid-March collapse, um, and has yet to recover back to those levels. Um, and the reason is not because of the 10-year JGB, which is back up at the upper band of yield curve control, but because of the 30-year, which has pulled, uh, pulled down. But now the 30-year is getting sold off, the 30-year yield is rising, we have strong um, day in Topics Banks, uh, about two and a half percent higher on you know MUFG on on Sumitomo Mitsui Financial Group on Mizuho for uh, on the day, and that is because of the longer end of the JGB curve um, and yields getting lifted as a result, and so therefore it is you know an entry point for those who you know want to play the BOJ will make a policy change um, next week. Just go long Topics Banks, right? To to do to play it via JGB futures is extremely dangerous. To play it via currency on uh, dollar yen is also it's not necessarily dangerous but there's just too many sort of factors because now you have fomc policy in question as well and so you have two different variables far more than two but two basic fundamental uh, variables that are both very un you know uh, unpredictable so the, the best way you know relatively speaking um is just to be long topics banks if you want to play it that way and you could even play it as a you don't know what's going to happen necessarily, but you can have a view on speculation is going to re-enter the market, 
that the Bank of Japan is going to change policy, and therefore you can just go long now and sell into the speculative flows that will follow, potentially starting with the catalyst of Japan CPI on Friday. Okay, so that's it for me. We will reconnect again after the China macro data comes out. And on behalf of Blockworks Macro, my name is Weston Nakamura. Thank you for watching Market Depth. We'll see you next time. Thanks.